This is Action and Ambition, the show that takes you all over the world to share interviews with the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their backstory, get the most important lessons they've learned on their road to success, and hear exclusive tips on how to implement their success in your own life. Action and Ambition is brought to you by Entrepreneur Magazine and your host, Andrew Metal. Thank you for tuning into the Action Ambition Podcast. I'm Philip Llanos, and today I'm here with Alicia Waters. Now, she is the Chief Marketing Officer at Crate and Barrel. Previously, she served as the Vice President of Crate and Kids, and she brings over 20-plus years of global retail expertise driving online retail and mobile growth through exceptional consumer insights, strategies, and entrepreneurial spirit. Alicia, how are you doing today? Great. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it's my pleasure. Anytime I get to speak to anyone working with major brands, I feel like it's always a learning opportunity for anyone who's trying to build a brand as an individual, right? That aside, you also have over 20 plus years of working in global retail, you know, and driving sales. So that in itself is another value prop. But before we get into all that, I'm very curious Did you always intend to work for major corporations as you started your career, or did you have other steps in mind, like, oh, I wanted to be an artist, and then somehow you ended up here? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know if I'm someone who really had a plan, honestly, when I started out. I feel like um, I kind of get somewhere, and then I know in my heart what's right for the next step, if that makes sense. So I got my first taste of retail at The Gap, and I loved it. I just, I, it's interesting. I keep going to these big companies, but most of my career has been carving out small entrepreneurial roles where I have to rebuild a team or build a group um, and then be able to take it somewhere because of all the resources at the company. So I really, I feel like you get a little bit of both worlds if you want in some of these roles, which has been super cool for me. So that, that Gap experience, for example, I was at Baby Gap and it was a pretty tiny brand within the Gap, Gap portfolio. And I was able to launch Gap Maternity into stores. So that was like carving out my own little piece of it, tiny team within a a company that had, you know, serious resources. Yeah, that, that's funny. There's Baby Gap and now there's Gap Maternity, which you would think would be a logical con- uh, inclusion in the yeah. overall pie and effort. But often those kinds of niches are overlooked in branding. Is there anything that helped you see that? Any training that you took uh, under undertook yourself? Or is it just a natural uh, propensity of yours to, to go towards those things that seem obvious, but apparently aren't. (laughs) I think, no, I think it's just, um, you know, I care. I really deeply am curious about people and their motivations. I always was, I, you know, I have both my parents were psychologists. We talked about people at the dinner table and motivations. And then I studied marketing in college. So I really am so curious. I feel like when you actually put your head in someone's, you know, mind space and are empathetic with the customer, you just start to see adjacencies. Um, and then I do, I really like those smaller, opportunities. And like when I went to CB2, it was tiny and we really grew the business. We kind of restructured the assortment and the, the brand proposition and then, you know, relaunched it. And at the same thing at Creighton Kids happened. So I think I do, I really like these opportunities where I have a, enough space, enough room to try new strategies out. 
build Absolutely. a team. And it's, and it's cool that you went from, from uh, vice president at creating kids, which was that niche. to then I guess all your success really drove them to say, you know what, you need to be the CMO for all of Crate and Barrel. Can, can we just have you look over what we're doing? What was that transition like? Was it different? Was it jarring or was it a natural transition? It was a pretty natural transition, I think, because to your point, I've been in marketing for so long. You know, I was in CPG for seven years running um, marketing for all the confection brands and the new products on those sides. And then at CB2, I ran marketing for five years. So this was just another time to run marketing. And then the nice thing was I got to stay on Creighton Kids. So I still have Creighton Kids within my scope, um, just added in the adult business, which was a much bigger business. But again, if you think about all the pieces and break it into all the opportunities for growth, you can create small nimble teams within a big team that are really driving toward objectives. So again, I try not to think of the last thing I ever want to do is feel like someone who's corporate or that treats the customer in a corporate way. It needs to feel smart, small. I need things to feel scrappy on my team. I always you know, like to think that we don't have very many resources so that we can be more innovative. I definitely get, you can get lazy. <laughs> I get entrepreneur vibes from you, you know, like uh, that, that's definitely a thing that I'm getting off the bat. And, uh, and, and I think that's super cool because uh, often you're right. The, the bent is to always just go with what's always been done and do things that way. Yeah. And I can yes. see that you, you make a, a concerted effort to do the opposite of that to ask what if, you know, mm-hmm. so, so what's your big, what if for, for 2021 Q4 and 2022 coming in? Mm-hmm. Um, what if the digital experience translated into the store experience? Like what if it truly was one seamless omni experience for customers? What does that mean? What does that look like? You know, everyone I know is carrying their phone around in the store and it's not like we're just in the store. We're in the store and on our phones. So how do we, how do we give customers tools and content and inspiration that really honors that behavior? So true. That's such a great question to be asking. And I'm not sure that a lot of people are. And if they are, it's usually only in a meeting and never like, what can we implement in practice right now in the store to get that to go down? And I imagine just based off what you told me being scrappy, you're already thinking of cool things you can do in real time right now in the store to do that. Is there anything fun you can share? (laughs) I'm like, don't tell anyone. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, You know, one of the things that we just recently did, for example, is that we have a, we have a big focus on Um, CSR, and we want to reduce our waste and reduce our paper. And so we realized that sending catalogs to the stores is is not in concert with those values. And so what we did is um, just put instead print a QR code on sign and just allows people to view the catalog in the categories that they're in and have that experience that's even more customized to what they're looking at. That's a small example of really, you know, leading with values and marrying the experience with the digital experience. I love that. I love that. And uh, are you still doing anything with Creighton Kids, even though you're you're working at the top level with C, uh, with Creighton Barrow as a CMO, or is that now somebody else's uh, total uh, responsibility? Nope, I am not letting go of kids. I love <laughs> the kids business. Um, I absolutely love it. Yeah, I'm still super involved. Um, as part of my scope, I have Creighton Barrel, um, Creighton Kids, and Hudson Grace Marketing all live within my team. And so I'm super engaged in Creighton Kids. I think what's cool with Creighton Kids is that it's a primarily e-commerce and digital brand. And so it's very, and it targets, you know, Creighton Kids targets the millennial um, customer, the millennial parent, and they're very innovative. They're super mobile focused. And so we, we really on that brand are leading with um, our mission and our values, which is pretty cool. It's all about encouraging creativity and kids. 
And so it's about empowering self-expression. And for example, we have this program right now that's called the Kid, Kid Activist Program. And it allows us to go deeper with our customer by like stretching and giving kids a platform to increase their impact. So we found three change makers that are kids, you know, because we know parents these days, they don't, you know, when I was growing up, it was sort of a um, be, be seen and not heard situation. It's not like that anymore for kids. Parents really encourage the voices of their children and kids are really engaged in the world around them. And so we saw that and thought, how can we be part of this and how can we help kids have a platform for what they're doing? And so we had three change makers last year, um, Genesis Butler, who is an environmental and animal rights activist, Marley Diaz, who founded um, a thousand black girls books because she was frustrated about the lack of diverse narratives at her school and Jaquiel Jackson, who was recognized by Obama and he distributes blessing bags for the homeless. I think he's helped over 60,000 unhoused um, men, women, and children. And so these are kids, there are kids out there doing tremendous things. And so we recognize them on social next year, we're taking the program to the next level. Um, so we're going to search for more kids and create an actual kid activist class for 2022. And as part of that, they'll get a dream room makeover. So they get to have their own creative space, which we did this year, like a space, like a work space for inspiration and creativity. Um, we'll donate to their cause of choice on social. If you like posts, it donates five bucks from us. Um, and then the other pieces, they're going to get to engage with brand leadership at Crate and Barrel um, to get advice and thoughts on how to grow their own leadership potential. So it's just a different way, I think, of engaging with our customer that to me feels really meaningful and it's really mission driven. I love that specifically because there was a time when kids only had the example of whatever was at home to follow, but with yes. devices, their examples are, are expanding and broadening. Right. And you yeah, jump on platforms point. like TikTok, and now, you know, they can follow anybody and be influenced by them. And more than ever, kids are seeing the idea of entrepreneurship and, and impact yes. leaders That's and, right. you know, becoming more. I love that you're confident uh, in their ability to actually accomplish things while young, which is, you know, yeah. not a, it's not contrarian or anything, but it's just overlooked yet again, people overlook these opportunities and mm -hmm. these kids will then get to grow with the brand. You know, yes. if you're thinking really long-term, yeah. I'm, I'm seeing, yeah. I'm picking up what you're putting down as well. I like it. <laughs> you know, and, and it, yeah. even, especially what you talked about with some of the initiatives and the, and the influencers you invited, it reminds mm -hmm. me of somebody I had interviewed who had created a short film pushing forward the narrative of like a, you know, it's tiring to hear, you know, black women have to be strong type of narrative. And then that doesn't allow them to feel vulnerable sometimes because then, you know, like yes. they have to be strong. And there was that whole, and the film sort of covers all that. So those mm -hmm. kinds of stories are so important that you're putting together with Creighton Kids as an initiative. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Um, I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Now, now that being said, uh, along with that, uh, I imagine that the, the pandemic had, had, you know, force everyone's hand. And I'm curious, how did Crate and Barrel approach that from a marketing perspective? Was it something that like you had to be concerned about or, or mm -hmm. other than other than beyond health, obviously health regulations, things of that nature, but, yeah. like, but like, you know, internally and having that conversation with your, with your customers, your, your I should say your partners, right? Because mm -hmm. they partner with your brand. Was there any kind of dialogue that you were, that you were hoping to create around this moment in time? Yeah. There's so many things. It's I could give you 10 examples, but I think I'll, I'll honor your question and start with the internal. I think um, it's really about just it was it's been about adapting to the hybrid work environment, I think, and really prioritizing wellness, mindfulness, balance um, for myself and my team and yeah. all the employees, because I think 
I'm sure you've talked to a lot of people who have said this, burnout is a real thing. People are exhausted. This pandemic has really um, been hard for, for all of our associates. And so it's really about honoring people and identifying each person's needs and helping them through this time period. So I think just this focus on health and wellness is, I think, a really a silver lining that we need to always be connected and to help each other. So I would say that's been interesting. There's like the technical piece of hybrid working and figuring out how to do that. It's given us flexibility. We've started hiring some remote workers. So wow. I have several meet, you know, several members of my leadership team now who are, um, you know, all over the country, which I think is, it's not always easy, but it's a strategic advantage because yeah. not everybody, you know, everyone thinks differently when they're in different geographies and places. And it definitely has shifted our thinking on what, you know, locations we show and how we think about temperature zones and you know, just different, you know, we're marketing an outdoor collection. Well, I'm reminded that one of our associates is in Arizona in February. So it's a great, it's, it's been a really good thing in a lot of ways. Another thing I think on the kids business, we really shifted into new categories because as you know, parents were just scrambling, trying to figure out how to take care of um, at home learning, you know, while their kids were at home. And so we shifted into new categories like playroom. We sped right into um, categories like art supplies and STEM, et cetera, because we wanted to be able to provide them solutions. Um, so I think, you know, and we had to change how we delivered content. Like for example, we had, we couldn't do photography in the studio. And so we started having photographers actually shoot in their homes with their own families, which actually was some of my favorite content because it was so real and you could feel it, it was beautiful. We had influencers shoot in their own homes. So I think some things that the pandemic, some processes the pandemic altered have been really good for us. And I think I just prefer to focus there. Yeah. No, there's definitely a startup energy that now bigger brands like, you know, Crate and Barrel are starting to bring into their operations that I don't think would have happened if it wasn't for the uh, for the pandemic. Yeah, you know, that conversation would have been on the table. And while it doesn't change the fact that we still need people in the retail stores, that's a, that's a hard one to digitize. <laughs> that's a hard mm -hmm. that's a really hard one, you know, uh, but. I think I think that these are all signs of a very fascinating and inspiring, interesting future for for all retail and, yeah. and for Crate and Barrel in particular with a team like yours. Uh, now, I, I'm curious if you could share a little bit of your process, your secret sauce, just in terms of like what questions do you bring to the table when considering creating a new a new slice of the pie for 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 you know the way you found the, the maternity aspect right which you'd think people would have saw that but they didn't and then you came along and said hey you know it follows that we should you know we should try doing this what what kind of process do you do you undergo to is it research is it a, a series of questions uh, you know a quick brainstorm with the team SWOT analysis is there anything that you do in particular to help you identify new channels like that? I wish it were a linear process. I just don't <laughs> find that it is, you know, I think it depends on, I think, first of all, you just have your eyes and ears open all the time and you listen to ideas from everyone and ask yeah. for ideas. I find too, now the larger the team, the more often I need to ask for ideas and say like, gee, chat me, text me, here's my phone number. I think we do do a combination of things. We have formal brainstorming sessions where we bring in people like you, you know, who work across you know, who talk to a lot of people and have a lot of knowledge that's outside of what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. And we bring them into our leadership meetings, you know, or into seminars once a quarter to kind of give us thoughts on what they that's think. That's really smart. Yeah. In the macro world. And usually they have nothing to do with our industry, but you can always find an idea off of that, some sort of springboard. Of course, we're constantly analyzing competition. You know, that's part of it too. Um, and I think some of it is just time and space. 
we're so busy. It's hard to be innovative and creative and, and think of new ideas if you don't have time to like experience, like you have to go on the site and shop and that might give you an idea or you have to be, have time to listen to a customer interview and resource research when you're really busy or you just have to have dead time where you're doing nothing so that your brain can be active. So I think it's, there's no linear answer for that. I feel like the best ideas sometimes swirl a little bit and then you zone in kind of on, on the right piece of the idea. That's the thing. And they don't come from me. You know, I think they come from the team and me sometimes, you know, it's that creative process, right? That you can't, you can't force it, but when it happens, boy, does it happen? That's, that's what I'm getting. And still, but you create opportunities for those moments to happen. It sounds like you, you invite people, you have conversations, you, you show up where it might matter for those Mm -hmm. opportunities to, to happen. And I think that that really is the key takeaway there that I'm hearing Mm -hmm. uh, from what you're sharing. Um, I think, yeah. And you never accept that things are good enough. Our business has been super strong this year and it honestly makes me itchy. Like what's next? (laughs) What, what are we doing? What are we doing? That's breakthrough. How is this not going to, I don't want to look the same in a year. You know, I think you have to be itchy. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) A little itchy. No, I love that because I remember reading a book uh, and uh, I don't want to bring it up in this conversation, but uh, the author and the name and all that. But suffice it to say, the book said that they they used to fire people if in the first two weeks they didn't make an actual mistake, like on purpose through sheer effort of trying something different, you know? Interesting. There's a very strong startup energy to to what you're doing at Crate Barrel. And I can see why you're a CMO there because- that is what it takes to be heard and seen in today's world. And that's why mm-hmm. I believe at least, and you know, for my opinion, for whatever it's worth speaking to as many people as I do, I see that, that yeah. that is the, the outlying factor. Yeah, everyone else just follows like, this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to have presence on this channel. Yeah. But how, yeah. what is your yes. relationship to that channel? Right. Exactly. That's what yeah. I'm hearing from you as evidence of yes. that being true, as opposed to, theory hypothesis and and that's what yeah. i love is that you stand here as evidence with your program that you have for activism you know the just every your career in general i'm sure has led you to this point because i remember uh reading in the notes here uh, at some point you were in paris with your family right is that, is that accurate yeah two great years of my life <laughs> and, i had and, a lot of ideas in those two years <laughs> <laughs> there's just something about paris you came back and i mean you're crushing it do you do you find that that was really the turning point in your, in your, in your learning as your career was unfolding? That's a great question. Um, I think maybe it was a turning. I think there've been a lot of turning points or a lot of epiphany moments, but yeah, I think taking a break from this corporate universe and like, you know, hardcore work for two years where I had my own little consulting firm in Europe and um, I was busy, but not, not like it is, you know, when you're, you know, running and operating in a day-to-day business. Um, in this way, I think it was, it allowed me to just have that time and space to, to regroup and, and find vision and ideas and understand who I was. And I think at the end of the day, I'm just, I'm terrible at following rules. I'm a rule breaker. And I, (laughs) and I think it's made me realize what types of environments I do well in and what I don't do well in. And I think it does, I think you need those, those punctuating moments of calm to give you clarity for the next thing. So I feel like I came into this the kids role and now the CMO role with a lot of energy and excitement for it because I had that break. Absolutely. And I don't know. We give ourselves that often enough. 
No. And it sounds like you know, what I'm taking away from this is good marketing and branding really is knowing what rule to break, you know, yeah. and, and, and that's what really gets it done. At least what I'm picking up from this. And for me, that's an exciting lesson to have uh, unfold in this conversation, because often people really are trying to look for that next thing. And it's like, look, you can know everything there is to know about your industry. But unless yeah. you understand which one of those rules needs to be broken this time around, Mm-hmm. By keeping your ears open, by creating moments, inviting yeah. conversations, you know, it's never going to yes. happen. And, and I love that Creighton Barrel is, is giving you the platform to do that. Well, and you taking that platform that is Creighton Barrel and saying, I'm going to turn this into what it is and showing results for it is the other thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your stance on failure and potential risk of that? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, I'm not ready to fire people after, you know, two weeks, like you said, but I'm intrigued <laughs> by the, I understand the point. And I, I agree. I think, I think failure is part of the process. And I actually, you know, it's funny, we talk a lot about failure um, and I just don't see it as failure. I think that's where I, I don't see failure as failure. I see it as things go well and they don't go well. And it's how you pivot and move around it. And just, it's, it's part of your learning process. It's part of data that you're accumulating to be able to make the right decision. Yes. I don't, I don't believe in, I'm not a person who gets, gets in a, in a boat and just goes one direction. Like I'm waiting for the wind, I'm moving direction. And so I just don't, yes, I feel like we have to fail because if we don't fail, we haven't tried hard enough. We haven't been thoughtful about our customer and we're not being innovative. So of course, but I just don't see it as a failure. And I don't, right. I hope that my team doesn't either. Yeah. It's, it's that part language. of the process. Yeah. That being able to feel safe to a B test and find out that A didn't work or that B didn't work is exactly yeah. what a team needs to succeed. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And I think the A B test didn't work, did work is, a, is I think what you're alluding to, right. As opposed to failure. Cause it does have that connotation, right? Oh, failure. Mm-hmm. I love that. No, it's I'm on board with, with the energy, with the perspective, the position and the accomplishments that you've brought forth uh, in this conversation. And I want to roll out the red carpet for you. And uh, oh, thank you uh, allow so you much. to share with uh, the listener, like, where can they connect with you, stay in touch with you? Uh, what call to action do you have for them? Oh, I so appreciate that. So I think the biggest call to action I have right now is if you can all please um, look at your networks and think about kids, you know, that are out there doing really interesting things, because a lot of kids care about their communities, are raising money for their communities. You know, if you know a kid that's doing some of those extraordinary activities, please um, go on our website to creightonkids.com backslash, backslash kid activist um, and have them apply so that they can be part of our 2022 kid activist class. I think that's, that's part of it. And it's so interesting. One of the things you said sparked this for me. I feel like when I started in marketing, it was about you know, who had the, the greatest share of voice. So it was about spend. Who's going to spend the most to be able to get the audience? That's just not what marketing is anymore. It's about engagement. It's about who is going to break through and really create a, a deep connection with their customers so that their customers are, you know, lovers of the brand and advocates of the brand. And I feel like um, these are ways that we create a deep connection with our customers, the parents, and they're doing wonderful things. And I'm excited that we can help amplify those voices. So please um, help us and help help out in this program if you, if you can. So it was Creighton Kids uh, forward slash uh, activist. Was that Kid activist. Kid activist. CreightonKids.com forward slash kid activist. Yes. Right on. Thank and, you so much. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm loving it. it. It reminds me, it reminds me of so many things that uh, I used to love as a kid 
being able to like, you know, stand up to bullies or, you know, you're like all the things that kids want to do and speak to, but now there's a, there's a place for it and a brand that's helping them get a bigger voice for it. Talk about opportunity if you ever needed it, you know, like you want to join the Peace Corps or something like that. You have to like a college degree, this or that you can do this while being a kid. That's the best part about it. No, big fan, big fan. Uh, That being said, there is a question I have at the end as I close things out that I hope you'll indulge, but you are welcome to pass. If you could have invited anybody here, Alicia, today, dead or alive, to sit side by side with us and chat about everything we just covered, who would you Mm -hmm. have loved to have had and why? Ooh, (laughs) I I think I'd go Oprah. Hey. (laughs) Who you may have heard before, I realize, might not be the most original answer. Only once, actually. Um, Okay, good. I think it would be fascinating to hear the questions that she asked me, as well as how she reflected on, on what, what we talked about. So I find her to be a fascinating interviewer and human being. So I would love to, to be next to her at some point. Yeah. It's, and I think that's a driving force of what, what, uh, what you've been able to do is ask the right questions, right? It's, it's, that's exactly what Oprah has been doing. And the last time someone brought her up, it was more because like she was able to manage so many things at the same time. But mm. for you, I love that you said like, it's, you know, as an interviewer, because it's about, there's nothing worse than the right answer to the wrong question, right? right. And you've been able to ask <laughs> the right questions. And <laughs> that is what's driven so much of the success that I see happening right now. I'm excited for the future of what you're doing with the brand. And I thank you so much for stopping by today. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a fun conversation. Thanks for listening to Action and Ambition with your host, Andrew Metal. Please leave a review and subscribe and go to andrewmetal.com for all the exclusive lessons, behind-the-scenes footage, and video content of the show. Follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Action and Ambition, and we'll see you on the next episode.